0: Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements as well as the learning objectives.
1: This is CME on ReachMD, and I am Dr. Martin Reinke. Today, I'll be discussing an individualized approach to establish a diagnosis in Cushing's syndrome. I have th- three topics. Diagnostic delay in Cushing's syndrome, the laboratory testing in Cushing's syndrome, and then consideration when to use which tests in which situation. So first of all, to the uh, delay in Cushing's syndrome. We know that currently the delay is up to three or five years until the diagnosis is finally established. And this is due to lack of awareness because it's a rare disease and the symptoms may be overlapping with um other quite common diseases, another reason is that initially the symptoms may be uh, limited, and there is time progression over time in disease severity. Okay. therefore, it is very good to repeat a clinical investigation after a couple of months if you are unsure whether this patient may have Cushing syndrome and f- Finally, there's test complexity. We have several tests, all of them are good. But because of the three tests, which are most commonly used, sometimes there's confusion when to use which test. We have, to turn to point two, three tests available. It's the one milligram dexamethasone suppression test. It's a 24-hour urinary cortisol, and it's a late-night salivary cortisol. All three tests, as I mentioned, are excellent. However, there are clinical situations where one test may be better than the other. Just to mention a number of examples, if you have a shift worker, late night salivary cortisol does not work very well because it investigates the diurnal rhythm. The urinary free cortisol can be difficult to use in patients who have renal insufficiency, especially at higher grades. And the dex suppression test is not so useful in females on oral contraceptives because test specificity may be decreased because of the binding proteins. Therefore, you have to know when to use which test. I generally start with the late-night salivary cortisol test um, because it's very convenient for the patient. And in general, I do more than one test because this, again, increases test reliability. This is true for all um, tests, especially for the urinary cortisol and the late-night salivary cortisol. So these tests have been generally being repeated several times. Also, the underlying cause, and this is number three, of Endogenous Cushing syndrome has an impact on um, screening tests. Um, for example, if you suspect, which is the most likely di- uh, diagnosis in endogenous Cushing syndrome, a pituitary source, Cushing's disease, then uh, urinary free cortisol or late night salivary cortisol are the best tests to start with. Uh, multiple tests of late night salivary cortisol or urinary free cortisol or a combination of tests is very useful. However, if you have adrenal Cushing syndrome or you have an adrenal incidentaloma, then the one milligram dexamethasone suppression test is the best test because the salivary cortisol may be normal as is the urinary cortisol. If Cushing's disease of pituitary origin is confirmed, then you can use any test. And generally, we do multiple tests in such a situation. I hope you found this brief overview of screening and testing in Cushing syndrome useful. Thanks for listening.
0: You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Prova Education and is part of our Minute CE curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com Prova. Thank you for listening.